success is not an accident. Change your choices. Change your life. Welcome to another in our Young Successful Entrepreneur series. Today, my guest is restaurateur and entrepreneur Adrien de Leon, owner of the restaurant La Margarita. Hello and welcome to The Journey, your radio show, hosted by Neville D'Angelo, author of A Soundbite Life and Flight of the Fused Monkeys, a PRG Emerging Technologies Forum keynote speaker and founder of Rio Sports. I am Joseph Ellison. Enjoy! I am Neville. Now, many people are enamored by the idea of owning their own business, being their own boss changing the landscape, establishing a legacy. Uh, but beyond the dream, beyond the motivation, what is the nitty-gritty? How does one get there? How do you succeed? That is one of the questions we're exploring. And for this season's Young Successful Entrepreneur series, I've invited young businessmen and entrepreneurs who are in the midst of accomplishing exactly that. Today we have the pleasure of Mr. Adrian de Leon, who's agreed to share his expertise with us. I'm sitting at his table and I'm immediately oppressed by the books that are spread around him. A few of them are open, and he has agreed to let me share the titles of those with you. It's quite a revealing lot. Success is not an accident. Change your choices. Change your life. The Purple Cow. Free Prize Inside. Good to Great. Why Some Companies Make the Leap and others don't. Culture of honor. Keep your love on. Well, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. What brought you into the restaurant business? Uh, well, for me, it was really uh, life circumstances. Mm -hmm. You know, um, growing up in a Latin culture, they're typically, the, the headship always wants to typically, you know, find a better way, uh, better opportunity. Mm -hmm. And for me and my family, at least for my father's family, you know, he had the dream or the idea that he wanted to open up a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And so he worked in that industry for many years. And in 1990, he had finally, you know, I would say put together enough money to, he 
to start that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so originally it was my father, my brother, and I when we opened up uh, La Margarita mm-hmm. in 1990 in Irving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was approximately 14, mm-hmm. 14, 15 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, our brother was about two, I think he's two and a half to three years older than me, and then my father. And so that was really the initial start of what I would call the restaurant and the journey of an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. What most most folks at 14 or a teenager, um, uh, especially if it's a second or third, tend to go away from the business of their father. Mm-hmm. Uh, why, why did you stay with it? Yeah, I, that, that's probably so. Uh, and again, much like life circumstances, uh, that I was not really afforded that opportunity, not from the standpoint of uh, I wasn't given a choice, but um, when we started that restaurant, you know, there is the the want to want to help out, and that was that ran its course for about six months. Mm-hmm. But shortly after that, uh, my dad became ill, and oh. so he. Uh, I'm not sure what the proper terminology is right, but he developed cancer. Mm. And so within cancer comes treatments, right? right? And so, you know, that uh, carries a a weight physically. Mm. And so me and my brother had to really step up and help out more. Mm -hmm. And so the the battle of cancer, we know that it generally is not quick and it's long and arduous at times. And so it was that for him as well. It was uh, not quick. Um, it was met with uh, some success. It was also met with some failure. And so over the course of the next five years, you know, he had cancer, you know, would go into remission after, you know, certain bouts of treatment mm-hmm. only for it to come back again. Mm-hmm. And in the end, in 95, after about a five-year battle of off and on, it, mm-hmm. he succumbed to it. So, mm-hmm. so for me, at 14, 15, whatever, you know, it was necessity that for me to step in and help out more than I than one than a normal 14 or 15 year old would probably want to right so for me you know at that time high school it was pretty much you know I had two jobs right high school is one job right. and then you go to a, to your other job which right. was the family business mm-hmm. and for me there was really no uh, extracurricular activities right no band right you didn't go to any uh, high school football games right during the fall every high school kid is there at the football game that's mm-hmm. where stuff's at right didn't go to one high school football game not mm-hmm. one you know my entire four years there so you know i think i, I barely decided to go to prom <laughs> you know you know so um so yeah that was just kind of it was for me i would call it a very much a, a survival period so do you see did you see yourself as a learner during that or were you just um, a worker. How did you see yourself? Um, uh, well, that you, you would not. You were not going to be around my dad and not learn. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he was good. If you were going to be there working, right. you made. He made sure that you were going to learn. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I would very much say it was very much a learning process as well. La Margarita. So why? Why that name? Tell us about the restaurant. Right. Well, La Margarita, most people think, oh, oh, the the drink. Right. The drink, right? Right. And again, that that is very typical of just the American culture. Really, what it is is La Margarita is actually the name of a flower Ah. in uh, in Mexico. And it is also uh, a very typical flower that is thrown out um, from... 
in, in novels, you know, where you have the, you know, the damsel mm -hmm. that, that is high up, mm -hmm. you know, and you have uh, the man yeah. comes courting her, you know, right. she meets with his approval, then she throws him the flower, oh, right? Right. right. So, so that's ultimately what it is. La Margarita is actually the name of a flower, okay. uh, similar to a a sunflower mm -hmm. is what you would say it would be similar to that mm -hmm. so so that's what that so, name means but but why did he chose he chose the name why, yes he why? chose the name well i think it well it, it sounded good mm -hmm. right in his yes. mind it, it sounded good it was uh, reminiscent he was probably a bit of a romantic mm -hmm. is what i would say and you know i, I think um those were probably the, the predominant factors and it was just something that was catchy at the time mm -hmm. we felt like hey that that would be a good name for a for a mexican restaurant because again we're going back you know over over 20 years mm -hmm. and so you the hispanic or mexican influence was not as heavy you mm -hmm. have always had that here mm -hmm. but we felt it was a name that um uh anglos would be able to pronounce easily mm -hmm. versus taking some very indigenous name with Aztec influence. Right, right, <laughs> you know? right, right. Yeah. Tell us about the food then. Uh, the food, well, it, it has been an evolution. Mm -hmm. It originally started as Tex-Mex, mm -hmm. your very basic uh, enchiladas, tacos, and fajitas uh, with a little bit of what I would call modern Mexican. Mm -hmm. So we would take uh, interior plates interior dishes and prepare them in a with a, a new twist a modern vision new plate presentation and our food has evolved over time we've been open 28 years 29 years now to where we still sell quite a bit of what i would call tex-mex so right your enchiladas your tacos and your fajitas uh, you will probably not survive uh, in Texas without serving Tex-Mex. I mean, you just won't. But now our menu mix has has gone a lot more to be creative, what we would call modern Mexican. And again, we take interior dishes or dishes that we find when we travel and we look at them through a new lens, whether it's a modern presentation, uh, modern flavors, modern coloring, modern plating, and so that's kind of what we do now. That probably drives about 50% of our business now. I'll be right back with Mr. DeLeon. You can find La Margarita, the restaurant, at 2922 North Beltline Road, Irving, Texas. Their telephone number is 972-500-1137. That is 972-500. 570-1137 La Margarita Here's a quote from Tommy Newberry, the author of Success is Not an Accident Change Your Chances, Change Your Life He said before you can have, you must do. But before you can do, you must first become. Before you can have, you must do. But before you can do, you must first become. I'm back with Mr. De Leon. 
Adrian, most every business endeavor go through certain transitions that require uh, particular skill sets. Did you have to deal with any particular major transitions? So we basically operated uh, the restaurant as a family, me, myself, my brother, and my father from 90 to about 95. Mm -hmm. And again, in 95, you know, we talked about how he had uh, developed cancer off and on. And at the time, it was in remission, and we made two strategic decisions. Number one, we made the decision to move the the restaurant that we had um, uh, just a few blocks. Mm -hmm. We wanted to get better visibility, a bigger location. And so we started undertaking that process of moving it. And so part of that process was basically signing a lease at the new location and then beginning to do the construction work to get it ready. Mm -hmm. Then we also decided that, well, we're also ready to expand. And so we opened up a second unit out in in Arlington. Mm -hmm. And so while all this was going on, you know, we get the news that, oh, he has cancer again. And this time it was uh, much more aggressive in that he had developed a, a brain tumor. Mm-hmm. So at 1920, I was starting, you know, I had graduated, but college was, was not really going to be in the vicinity for me. You just weren't going to, I just wasn't going to have the time. Mm-hmm. So at 19 to 20, I started running the unit that we currently had and the move that we did and then my brother went to go run the other unit that we had launched in Arlington. And so we operated the, that unit in Arlington. So we, we opened the, the second unit, the first unit, again, the unit that we moved, it opened in August of 95. And that process was basically shutting down the one location that we had really on a Sunday and then opening on Monday, <laughs> right, right at, at, you know, a couple blocks down. And so you have to remember, right, this was also very much pre-internet. So it was pretty much starting all over again. And, and luckily we had gotten the word out a bit that we were moving. So we had some customers that followed and Irving was a small town. So we did have people that followed us. But again, it was very much a process of starting over. So in 90, August of 95, we started running I started running the unit in Irving and then my brother went to go run the unit that was in Arlington that we had also opened in August of 95 and and that month uh, about the middle of that month was when my dad ended up passing away and mm. so it was really just uh me and my brother operating those two units and we had some family that came in to help out mm. and uh, we ran or walked that journey for you know quite some time mm-hmm. and um in about i want to say about a year and a half to two years later we ended up closing the unit in arlington oh, okay. and uh, my brother came back to work at the unit in irving and we both worked together for for some time what precipitated you closing the one in arlington mm-hmm. well uh, lots of things number one we had taken out well we did not but uh, my my father had taken out a small mm-hmm. sba loan to mm-hmm. renovate the place so having some debt on the business creates a different cost structure. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really generating enough revenue to cover its uh, its cost structure on a consistent basis. It would a couple months, the next month it wouldn't, right? Mm-hmm. So it was pretty erratic, and we did not feel that long-term in that location. Mm-hmm. Some decisions were made by the city that changed the zoning mm-hmm. that ultimately told us, you know what, long-term, this is not going to be a 
a good avenue to be on. And, and it actually turned very quickly within the next, within the months of, of the city doing that rezoning within a couple months. I mean, businesses were, were leaving and relocating. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we, we probably could have weathered the storm and for it to, to return, but it just wasn't a road that we were willing to travel. And then again, it was just, it was a lot to deal with. Really, you've got a, a new business that you've launched, you know, you've got debt on it, you've got a, uh, the patriarch of the family dies, mm-hmm. you've got this other unit as well that is starting all over again. So mm-hmm. imagine trying to right. open two businesses at the same time, geographically different markets, mm-hmm. You know, on a shoestring, a lot of stress, a lot of stress. So, so yeah. Now, now you guys concentrated on the one in Irving. In Irving. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you make it successful? Uh, one plate at a time. One really. plate. At a time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, right. I think that's. Uh, if you look now, we have. Um, again, we've been in business twenty-eight to twenty-nine years, and we have customers that. Um, their kids have now had kids, mm-hmm. right? And so we've got a customer base that we've really built over time, mm-hmm. right? There's no been no, it was a very slow incubation process. So the reality is, is we showed up every day and we were there shaking hands, putting out a good product. And, you know, through the years, we have always gotten out into the community, attended chambers, any kind of events, we would make the effort to show up mm-hmm. and, um, you know, to greet people, make sure, pe- let people know that we were there. But that's ultimately how it became successful, right? Nothing was overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it it took about five to six years from 95 until before we, we hit like a million in mm-hmm. revenue. Mm-hmm. And now we're just under, we average about two million a year now. At what point did you see yourself as a businessman? You know, you're growing through the business. At what? Right. right. So in, so that that kind of opens up another story. Right. Um, so in, in about 2005, uh, the business was doing pretty well, and I wanted to open up another restaurant. Mm-hmm. I wanted to grow, whereas my brother, you know, wasn't really on board with that, or at least, you know. It was going to be difficult uh, for us to for us to do that together, mm-hmm. and so at that point, I made a decision. I was like, you know what? Um, I don't think that together that we're, we're probably best suited uh, to work together to, to build a new a new business. It's one thing to do it out of survival, mm-hmm. but when you're trying to do that after no longer surviving and now you're in a, a growth phase, mm-hmm. then then that's a different story. And so ultimately, we just weren't able to work together, and I saw that it wasn't going to happen. So at that point. I decided to go do something different, mm-hmm. and so I actually had a. I, I always enjoyed finance and investments, and I got an opportunity. I had a friend that worked at Merrill Lynch, mm-hmm. and so I joined them for about five and a half years, mm-hmm. and so worked on the retail side and on the institutional side. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was an opportunity that I took, and in 2011, a window opened for me to uh, come back to La Margarita. So if we remember from 2005 till 2010, we had probably two of the worst, um, what I would call recessions that we've seen, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We had the yeah. we had the real estate crisis yeah. and then we had the financial crisis. Well, during that time, my brother uh, took a risk and he went out and uh, opened up uh, a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Well, 
um, you know, without getting into too much specifics, essentially it, it didn't pan out. Uh, it performed very well, right? Won some awards and whatnot, but you know, it, it's just very difficult to open in the middle of a recession, particularly when it's the greatest one that we've seen in quite some time, <laughs> right? Right. It, you know, so we opened in. You know, you have leases signed and, and contracts are executed. So I think they opened in 2009. By the end of 2010, I mean, it, or by the beginning of 2010, it was over. And so, you know, it had quite a bit. Uh, so the existing restaurant, uh, the original La Margarita, you know, shouldered a lot of the debt that was used to start this second location. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it proved to be crippling. Mm-hmm. And in 20, I guess it was 2011, 2010, 2011, it was just hobbling along. You know, the idea had been floated that um, they were going to close it or just turn it over to uh, to the banks. Mm. And at that point, I kind of saw an opportunity. I said, you know what? Uh, I, initially, I wanted to go back and say, you know what? Let me go back and help out and see how I can. And so I went back and decided, well, let's see what we can do. Um, and during that process, you know, um, I think my brother decided ultimately he didn't really want to continue down this path, right? He'd always kind of, he'd already had a bad taste in his mouth from when my father passed away and, and we had to close that one unit. And then ultimately to have it happen again, he decided, you know what, he didn't want anything to do with it. And so I kind of made the decision that, look, if you're going to leave, then I'm going to take over and, and, you know, and, and I'll, you know, pay off what needs to be paid off. And they agreed. So at that point, you know, I, I was probably, you know, either blindly optimistic or very foolish because <laughs> I didn't know how bad the situation was until I really got there. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, we were probably bleeding, you know, $4,000 a month in cash, which is a lot for a small restaurant. Yes. Yeah. And over the course of probably the next six to eight months, you know, I just pinched pennies and robbed Peter to pay Paul. <laughs> and over about six to eight months, we uh, six to eight months, we started just breaking even. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was like, okay, now we needed to start growing revenue because um, sales were starting to decline. So uh, made some small changes. Again, just started showing up day by day, shaking hands, greeting people, getting back out in the community. We launched a catering arm that really ended up propelling us into profitability again. And over the course of the next five to six years, close to doubled sales, increased uh, our profit margins, and we're really able to uh, retire a lot of that debt. So... That was, and again, right, had you told me, hey, that's my plan coming in, I would have told you, no, that was not my plan, right? But it, it, it suit the skill set that I had, so. Well, I was, you, you kind of anticipated me because I was saying, at the time you were bleeding, mm-hmm. what kept you going? What, why didn't you stop sooner? Did you see a path ahead of you? Or will you just tell me about that? What What about you that kept you on that path? Well, I, I would have to say there there probably was at least a, a belief that, okay, I could turn this around. Now, let me just say this. It wasn't on anything that, that I saw oh, on the PNL sheet, right? It wasn't anything that I saw there that said, okay, yeah, I, I can do this. It was really a matter of I... I I jumped in and I'm like, oh my gosh, you didn't know it was this bad. Okay, let's figure out a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. And so really just started, you know, going to, to one vendor, to then into another, and to another. And it just got creative with, with how I paid them, when I paid them, and then ultimately started finding out a way, hey, where can I cut costs? Hey, I cut costs here. And let me do it in such a way where uh, the customer base is not affected. Mm-hmm. 
and was able to do that over over the course of the next couple months really was it experience that gives you gave you that or were you figuring it out as you go or were you learning it well it, it, uh, a lot of it was you know there, there was a mix I, I couldn't tell you what the percentages are right yeah. some of it was was certainly experience a lot of it was stuff that I had learned at my time away when I was at Merrill Lynch yeah, working away so yeah so some of it came from there um, you know maybe 40 percent you know another 30 percent was well I already know what to do I've done, kind of done this before and then some of it was really just taking a risk and saying you know I don't know if I can do this but let me see if I can get away with it <laughs> so so yeah that's where a lot of that came from okay I'll be right back with Mr. DeLeon If you are a new entrepreneur and you're looking for some tips, you're welcome to visit us at www.riosports.com slash entrepreneurs.html. I repeat that. That is www.riosports.com slash entrepreneurs. I am back with Mr. De Leon. The story you have shared with us so far is a passionate one of running a family business. However, we often hear the claim that most restaurants fail. Is that true? Well, um, I think, you know, there's uh, some truth in that, um, but there's also a lot of misconception. Um, you know, one of the things that I always say is uh, whenever I meet somebody and they ask me, hey, what do I do? And I let them know. They always say two things. Oh, well, restaurant business. That's that's a very hard business. Mm-hmm. You know, or they'll say, oh, wow, there's a really a lot of a lot of restaurants fail. Mm-hmm. You know, yet when I dig deeper and someone asks me that, generally it comes from somebody who's never worked in the restaurant industry. and But it's just a, a regurgitated statement that they heard and they believed it to be true. And, mm. and so it is in their mind. Well, the reality, the reality is I always tell them, well, what business is easy? Because right? <laughs> if it's easy, you're probably not making any money at it. Right. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's just a matter of yeah. fact. Yeah. You know, and as far as restaurants closing all the time, I would say that they're, well, Maybe, maybe not. I mean, look at how many restaurants are, are out oh, there, right? right? There's there's tons of them out there right. that haven't closed, right? Right, but there are many businesses that do open uh, by people who want to be. They want to open up a business. They want to open up a small business, and uh, it's easy to do it in a restaurant because there are low barriers to entry. You don't need a special knowledge, right? You can go hire a line cook and you know say, hey, we're just going to serve breakfast, right? And you can do that very easily. Mm-hmm. But the problem is a lot of people who start down that road don't understand. Number one, they don't understand the cost structure. Mm-hmm. And, and number two, they probably aren't willing to get dirty and do what it's going to take to make it take off, to make it survive, right? To make it thri- survive, then to make it thrive. Mm-hmm. It, it takes a lot. And most people, right, if they're trying to do that from what I would call the CEO position, I mean, forget it, mm-hmm. right? It's just not going to happen, right? You're going to have to get your hands dirty. Mm-hmm. And so, 
you're probably going to find uh, that's probably what has happened with uh, a lot of people that have opened up a restaurant and then they close it right and then they never do it again and that's how you know right mm-hmm. they tried it once oh i'll never do that again well you then you never really liked it to begin with mm-hmm. right uh, i mean right but look at some place like um uh, take a national brand like uh, an on the border or an olive garden or whatever right those places they have lots of resources right and they they go out and they open up restaurants and sometimes right uh, more not than it does, right? But they may, you know, stub their toe and they have to close a unit. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't close every single unit. They say, well, we'll never do that again, right? right. No, right. they say, this is the business that we're in. This is what we're dedicated to. So, you know what? We chose wrong. We'll learn from our mistakes and we'll do it again. And so, again, part of, of owning a restaurant is that while it, there are low barriers to entry, you know, it is very capital intensive. So if you're going to start down that road, Right. You're going to have to if you're not thriving right away, then you're going to have to learn to cut costs, which means you're going to have to shoulder some of the work. And some people aren't willing to do that. Right. I mean, they're they're wanting to maybe maintain some other job that they have and somebody else run this one. And, and, oh, it's passive income. Well, nothing is passive. There's no income that's passive. Now, assuming they have the capital, what Mm -hmm. are the major skill sets you say a beginner would need to have to run successfully? You know what? I, I never would have thought thought this right but the fact of the matter is your biggest challenge i think in in any service business will not be your customers it's going to be managing your staff (laughs) (laughs) right and and, right because everybody has different personalities different goals different schedules you know and just a different makeup Mm -hmm. and you're going to have to learn to number one you have to learn to deal with that but you're also if you have a restaurant, right, any sort of a business, you're going to have to enlist them on your vision, right, mm-hmm. and not their own. And and some of them will join that vision, but some of them will join that. Some of them will join that vision because they believe in your vision. Some of them will join that vision because hey, it's kind of on the road to my vision, so mm-hmm. I'll stay on there while until until my vision is coming into fulfillment. Then I'll bail. So. Mm-hmm. People will join you for all sorts of reasons, but if you need to be able to get them on the bus. So I would say learning to manage people and, you know, and again, I don't want to say manage, right? That's a bad, that's not a good word, but uh, you really need to learn how to interact with people right. and get them to buy in. But ultimately, you, getting them to buy in, doesn't that start with you bringing, in the com- bringing them into the company? Why would you bring them in and then discover... That well, because right, because you have to remember, right? Uh, you always see the other person's best side, <laughs> right? On, a, on when it's come come interview right. time, right? They're yeah. gonna show up on time. Right. You know, if you're lucky, right? They're showing up late, uh, you know, disheveled or drunk, and you're seeing all that right away. Which case, oh, great! Hey, you're definitely not someone I knew, <laughs> right? But more yeah. often than not, right? They've cleaned up, right? Yeah. They're showing up on time, and, and you're seeing their best side. Right. Right. And, and so they're certainly not going to tell you, hey, you know what? Um, I'm probably going to call in sick at least once a week. I'm not going to be able to show up late. You know, I'm going to ask you for an advance. And, you know, I'm probably going to need you to bail me out of jail once every three months. Right. Right. That just doesn't I don't happen. I need to laugh, but yeah, well, you really have well, those stories. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. You know, right. I, I just, and, and yeah. I think what's interesting is how some people like just expect you or, or, you are hoping that you are going to take on their problems, right? Mm-hmm. And I've seen some business owners do that, where, hey, I've got this waiter, i got to go bail. I'm like, are you serious? Leave him there. Right? Let him <laughs> learn, right? It's not your responsibility. You know, oh, so, so yeah, it's really about just learning to manage people's behavior, 
Uh, again, just enlist them into your vision and, and getting them to buy in right on a daily basis, right? Because they forget, right? Because mm-hmm. a, a lot of times between fulfillment and the start, right, there's a lot that has to have a lot of time, right? A lot of, uh, a lot of groundwork has to go in. You know, rarely does a company go from zero to a hundred million overnight, right? It takes years, right? So. Well, you're not only a restaurateur, you are an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. What's the difference? Uh, well, I think uh, being a, an entrepreneur is really, um, I talk it as, as your ability to generate revenue, whether it's, it's specific to the restaurant industry or branching out and finding other ways, other avenues to develop revenue. Um, while we have the restaurant, we've also developed a, a catering business that services primarily uh, a lot of corporate companies. Uh, for myself, I've also done some real estate that allows me to generate revenue as well as doing consulting on the small business retail side. Mm-hmm. And so those are avenues that I've also pursued that have allowed me to generate other revenue, but also provide some diversification because you never know what could happen in any one of your industries. Mm-hmm. So as far as, you know, how would I would differentiate that within, um, I would call it, uh, you, know, you know, you can be a very good business owner of one type, you know, for some reason, I have de- I, I feel like I understand several basics that transcend across all spectrums of, of business, and for whatever reason, those have just come very naturally to me. So I can walk into any business and see, or if it's in dire shapes, to be able to turn it around. If um, if we need uh, business growth some dysfunctional teams have been able to walk in and turn those around and identify what changes need to be in place and made mm-hmm. to make it an ongoing successful business. Mm-hmm. So, and, and which, which aspect of you do you find more appealing to where you are in your life now? Mm-hmm. Running a restaurant mm-hmm. or? You know, the, the thing about the restaurant is that it, uh, you have to understand, right, it is very much home for okay. me, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, right, a lot of time has been passed there. Uh, a lot of birthdays, right, were celebrated right. there. Right, uh, again, right. I, I mentioned like I wasn't didn't go didn't go to one high school football game on a Friday or Saturday night. Right, so it, it's just it, it's more comfortable for me to be there. And, and again, right, true success comes out of your comfort zone. So um, it, it's comfortable to be there but it's important to me that I just don't stay there right that's why I've kind of developed other channels uh, for me to funnel creativity but also to try to experience growth so as a businessman how do you you keep those as separate entities yeah they're all separate entities yeah absolutely Um, and and you have to remember that ultimately one ultimately ends up providing the funding for all the others so mm-hmm. you know if I didn't have the the restaurant right the catering business probably wouldn't have started mm-hmm. right that probably would not have allowed us to develop a real estate arm you know if you don't have successes in those three then how can you really consult mm-hmm. right so, so for a new you gave me a very <laughs> interesting um, definition of or uh, of, of an entrepreneur or those who, who think they're entrepreneurs but tell, tell me about that um, <laughs> well you know I, I mentioned earlier that there's a, there's a term called wantrepreneur where mm. people want to start a business mm. and they may even undertake it but it just doesn't happen it doesn't materialize mm. and so we all have personalities right and, and but some people um, 
the question is, uh, if you start a business, do you stay mired down in the details, right? That ends up being much more what I would call a lab, an engineer, or a technician, mm-hmm. in which case uh, their personality doesn't really lend itself to being an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. right? Um, because you have to, because they tend to stay in a refinement. Well, let's continue to make this better and better. And the reality is, is profitability is the enemy, well, perfection is the enemy of profitability. Mm-hmm. So you need to say, hey, let's get it good and let's hand it off and let's move on to the next project. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would call like, you know, one of the other iterations, right, of, of being an entrepreneur. There's a entrepreneur. Um, and so, yeah. If you were to give a young man who has the capital or mm-hmm. who has a desire, who, who wants to be an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. what would be the, your top three best advice for them? You know, I think the first thing is they really do need to have a well-rounded knowledge of business basics, right? I mean, you need to have some sort of business formal training, mm-hmm. understanding, you know, again, you don't need to be an accountant, but you need to understand that if you don't have any money, you can't right. go out and spend it, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, so th- those are some what I would call fundamental business basics. Mm-hmm. The second thing is in any given business venture, you really need to know the avenue that you're pursuing, right? If it's, if you're planning to open up a restaurant, then you need to go work in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you should probably do it for a couple of years, right? Because, uh, and ma- learn to manage one and do it profitably, right? And preferably, if you, you know, and if you can do that in a franchise, then, you know, hey, that, that's great. Learn from them, mm-hmm. right? But if you can do it from a small business, then you probably learn a lot more. And you probably learn a lot of mistakes that, that you know, that you say, hey, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. But it, it, because, you know, you've always heard the expression, oh, he got lucky, he got lucky. Well, we all know, right, luck, that the definition of luck is where preparation and opportunity meet, right? Mm-hmm. Well, only when you've prepared do you know what opportunity looks like, mm-hmm. right? Because there are many other fields, right, in medicine. I would not have any idea what opportunity looks like, mm-hmm. but someone who has prepared in medicine will know what opportunity looks like, mm-hmm. right? And... You know, for me, like I've, I've um, done enough in real estate and the business side where I can look and I can say, you know what, I know what opportunity in that field looks like. So. I, I think before you give us more, I just want to emphasize how beautiful I think that is, mm-hmm. that you made that point, mm-hmm. that preparation allows you to recognize opportunity yeah. or opportunities will be swirling all around you all the time and uh, you won't even yeah. know that it's there. Yeah, but exactly. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, that was just kind of, um, you know, I, I think that's kind of all I have on, on that particular. Okay, uh, good, but, good, good. Yeah, yeah but uh, no, you know, those are two things uh, that I mentioned that you need to have is, you know, if you can have a basic business background, mm. uh, you need to have expertise in uh, in the field that you're going to go in, right? If you're going to go launch a business, you, you need to go learn from a business owner. And uh, I'm going to add two more things. If you can surround yourself with other business owners, right? There are several organizations, affinity groups that you can join, mm-hmm. that you can learn from them and that they can, because that's going to be your new textbook. As you go forward, and as you operate a business, you're going to run across problems that you don't know how to solve. And chances are these the people that you surround yourself with, I mean, and you need to surround yourself with entrepreneurs, right? Entrepreneurs that know what it's like to run a business, to be short of capital, to have, uh, have these headaches, because they will be able to give you expertise 
that they've kind of gone through. It might not be uh, the same as yours, but they're going to tell you their experience, and you're going to need that support. You're going to need that sounding board. Mm-hmm. All right, so if you can surround yourself with uh, an affinity group of that nature, right, whether it's it, if you're in a restaurant or if you can surround yourself with, you know, the re- a, a local restaurant group or if it's just an entrepreneur group, you know, ones that can help you, uh, that's going to be key. And the fourth thing I would say, again, dealing with people, if you can get a psychology degree, you know. <laughs> you know? Of course, I'm joking on that no, one, but, right. but just understand, right, if you can pick up a few books, right, right, and, and just read and understand uh, the human dynamic, that always helps. So Wonderful, wonderful. I'll be right back. When I return, I will play a game with Mr. De Leon. But those of you who have been a long time on the journey with us may remember us playing frequently. For those of you in the neighborhood or traveling through the neighborhood, just a reminder that La Margarita, the restaurant, is located at 2922 North Beltline Road, Irving, Texas. The telephone number is 972 Five seven zero one one three seven, and they do catering. La Margarita, two nine two two, North Beltline Road, Irving, Texas. Telephone number nine seven two five seven zero one one three seven. Okay, Mr. De Leon, let's play the game. It's called Three Hands. You have fallen into a very deep hole. Three hands appear. Only one can pull you out. It's a hand of a hustler, a hand of a riddler, and the hand of a clown. Which will you choose? Mm. Or will you stay in your hole? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, um, you've got a, a hustler, you said. A riddler. A riddler. And a clown. And a clown. You know what? I think I'm going to have to take the riddler. Why? You know, I would take the riddler because that's a thinking man. Mm-hmm. And we're going to need to think to get out of the hole. <laughs> right, right. right? You, you can't laugh your way out of a hole, right? You may laugh yourself, but you're still going to be in the hole. No, right. right? You never trust a hustler. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, the, the Riddler's going to be my man. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> well, you know, I appreciate that you spend uh, this mm-hmm. month of your busy time to mm-hmm. share with our entrepreneurs and all our listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so much for doing that for us. Sure. No, absolutely glad to do it. All right, thank you. Mm-hmm. The Journey is available free on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, Rio Sports Radio, and several of your favorite internet platforms. Download, embed, and share via any of the social media you love. See you next week.